Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. New News team, assemble! And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, welcome back. It's another edition of the, well, it's a very special edition of the unofficial 40 podcast. Is uh, We welcome in a couple of guys that I was thinking about this that we have not talked to uh, on the same pod uh, since we were all in uh, Fort Lauderdale together uh, for the OU Alabama college football playoff game, and that is uh, the Oklahomans Ryan Aber and the Athletics uh, Jason Kersey, good friends of ours, along with Eddie Radosovich, and I'm Kerry Murdoch. And uh, uh, welcome in. We just thought we'd, you know, do some more pods because there's there ain't shit else going on. So, uh, you know, we'll just do some pods. And Eddie brought it up, and I said, yeah, that'd be a great idea. And uh, hit up Ryan and, and Jason, and they were all for it. So, uh, guys, welcome into uh, the podcast once again. Good to have you back. Yeah, yeah thanks for uh, having us on, Gary. Yeah, thank you. Good to be with you. Uh, the pool has already started. Uh, how long it will take until Pearl Jam is compared to Creed? Well, there's, there's zero comparison. We'll just start off right there. Yeah. One is about 3,000. Uh, to the 10th power uh, better than the other one. Now, let me ask you, I haven't asked you this. Uh, how many times have you listened to the new album so far in quarantine? Uh, a few. I haven't gotten to listen to it as much as I probably thought I would have, just because uh, usually my music listening time is in my car. And yeah. I haven't had to spend much time in the car, except we've made a couple drives and, and listened to it on that and, until my daughter complained about it and we had to you know find some taylor swift it wasn't frozen 2 or taylor swift well she's probably too old for frozen <laughs> 2 or I, no, yeah she's she's very out of the frozen era but <laughs> she's all about taylor uh, i'm super i'm surprised carrie you don't seem like the kind of guy who would like pearl jam to me because you're such a music snob it feels like that's not good enough for <laughs> what you, are you talking or something about like, see, this like is just you, a shot. You, you're you're finding you, a way to to take a shot at Pearl Jam you, right now. You, well, you, you take you, a shot at both of us there. Your music like tweets make me feel like you're the kind of guy who uses the word derivative to describe <laughs> things that you don't think are good enough. You know? No, I just I like all kinds of music, and of course I liked Pearl Jam. I mean, I like <laughs> I, I mean Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Seattle and Grunge and Alice in Chains and. All that I just, stuff. Yeah. I just felt like I just right felt like your era, right, Carrie? Oh yeah, that was like right in my wheelhouse, man. I just felt like firing a shot right out of the gate. So let's go. <laughs> uh yeah, I'm I'm all for the shots. That's why we have you two on because uh, the You're electricity. Walking on eggshells already. I, I yeah, I figured this was just about, you know, getting Kersey and I on to, you know, 
fight and uh, hang up on each other eventually. Let's see uh, how many subscribers we can cause Jason Kersey to lose today. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure we could. there could be some topics where oh we could. Oh, my God. Uh, no kidding. We'll really ramp that up. We might be able to put the athletic out of business if we kept uh, Jason talking Oh, if about Seth stuff. Davis can't do it, then Kersey can't do it. <laughs> That's on. probably true. I'm not that bad. No, you're not. <laughs> oh, Nobody's you that bad. Be. So, yeah, I it, it is uh I mean, let me ask you guys just in quarantine, I mean, obviously there's there's not a lot to cover. I mean, we have some we've had some teleconferences here and there. We'll probably continue to have some. Uh everybody's kind of fishing for content. Um you know, just trying to find some things to pass the time and and keep, you know, readers and subscribers happy. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I would say that I've been pleasantly surprised by, uh, just fans in general and how they've handled it. I like, I, I think there is kind of like, it's that it's a weird time because no matter what you say, it can get people riled up politically, uh, whether you're making fun. And I know you ran into a more rally, uh, the other <laughs> night, Ryan, and, you know, Eddie and I were ripping on the Penn Square uh, assembly uh, the other oh, day. Gosh. But it's like, yeah, you, you're going to get some of that. But I've been kind of pleasantly surprised that a lot of people haven't, it, you know, really just gone nuts and just just made everything political. And, and people have kind of let you speak your mind a little bit more than usual as a sports writer, I feel. I don't know if you feel that's true, Jason. Yeah, well, on this subject, I mean, I think I saw a poll today that said that, like, 30% of the country wants to rush us back into opening things up. I mean, this isn't even a partisan issue, I don't think. I think that most people realize that we're going to have to do this for a while. And, and I think most people realize that it's more important that we save people's lives than, you know, rush back to, to you know, play football again. So I don't I think it's a pretty small group of people that are pushing that stuff and I don't think they represent the majority of people even in this state. I really don't. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right that uh this is something that that crosses all political lines and hasn't uh divided us in a way that a lot of issues have in recent years and uh you know, we'll see, but that vocal small vocal group of people as I saw last night a little bit but more are the ones who have the ability to change this thing and, and make it last a whole lot longer well let's be honest and, and, uh, yeah. i think a lot of sports fans are like hey f kids you know we want to get back to playing sports and the longer you sit you know you're, you're out here assembling and spreading this thing around it, you know that's just one more weekend i don't have golf or nba or nfl or college football well, heck, and even down in Alabama, I think it was the governor uh, that said it. It might have been somebody else down there that that really, when this thing started uh, breaking out a little bit over a month ago, said, hey, if you want to have Alabama football, you better listen to these things and, and follow these guidelines. And I think that woke up a lot of people down there. I, I think uh, it certainly has the ability to do the same thing right here in Oklahoma. Eddie? How are you doing today? I'm good today. I, I would say that, uh, you know, the last couple of days have been, uh, you find yourself in a somewhat of a sports depression, but 
uh, I don't know. I, I think today is uh, better than other days. It's, it's been a fascinating. I feel like I've learned more about myself over the last month than I have in uh, the first 33 <laughs> years of my life. Honestly, it's like like it, what you can do if very, left to your own devices. Maybe that and just like a like a very serious, uh, maybe even like a serious look in the mirror thing, like what the perspective is on my life as far as uh, just being thankful for the things that I have, I guess would be the, the best way to say it. I know that's off brand for me being so serious. <laughs> I will say this, uh, you know, I I'd always mentioned like, uh, you know, when we were doing the pod, like uh, we need to come up with like a quarantini something you know a, a special drink for this uh and eddie eddie's mind immediately went to like some cyanide laced um <laughs> you know concoction that was just gonna put you out of your misery and i was like no i'm just <sighs> talking about coming out with you know something that's kind of fun to drink uh you know what beer works for me i'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll just stick with beer <laughs> been drinking yeah a lot that's fine. that's mine too i well i figure eddie's over there drinking like natty light seltzer probably I've had some seltzers. I've, I've also started just drinking bottles of wine, just a couple <laughs> bottles of wine every night, uh, or at least on the weekends to uh, to spend the time. I was about to say a couple bottles every night, Eddie. Goodness. Yeah, not every night, but uh, definitely on the weekends. Yeah, yeah. Eddie started cooking. He's gotten do. into wine. I mean, he's 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 all grown grows up. Well, Carrie, Eddie's been into wine. I was shocked when we were in Atlanta and we went to a liquor store. And I said, let's just get a box of wine. And Eddie like looked at me like I, you know. <laughs> well, we can just do so much better than that. It was like, it was, it was like, a, oh my god. Christmas, oh, you mean he looked day, down at you? So. Is what you're saying? Yeah. Oh my god. He was like, no, we're buying nice wine. I was like, <laughs> yeah, okay. and you know how much? You know how many bottles of the wine that we went through? I think I drank one bottle and left <laughs> the other two. Well, how much? I was about to ask how much Jason spent at that liquor store that night. Well, too and much, how much, but it, it was... got drank. Too much, but it was only because the Peach Bowl people told us the hospitality room was going to be closed, so we went and loaded up, and then it turned out the hospitality room was not closed. So that's kind of what happened there. Yeah, I spent way too much money on uh, alcohol that day. <laughs> uh, let me ask you guys this. What's been, of everything that's happened, what, was the, what do you think is the most either shocking or decision that his, I mean, I, I, I would assume Rudy Gobert for most people is kind of like the face of this in Oklahoma City. But from a, a college sports perspective, what's been the most kind of shocking uh, news item that's come out of this or decision that was made? Uh, and uh, Ryan, let's start with you. Yeah, I think for me, it's pretty obvious. And it was the, the NCAA's decision to cancel spring sports entirely. And I, I think to that point, a lot of us thought, I think I was just starting to shift in my mind, you know, this was going to just be a really quick thing and we were going to get back to normal. I think with that uh, decision to cancel, you know, the college world series, the women's college world series right here in Oklahoma city. And uh, the, the swiftness that that decision came down really opened my eyes and opened a lot of people's eyes to how long this thing was going to take. Jason. Yeah, you know, I, I thought the, just the I, even for the fact that we are we live in Oklahoma City and we're we're around it so much. I think the the period of time from about seven o'clock on that Wednesday night when the Thunder game was about to start to the point of I don't know what would that have been forty eight hours later in the Friday afternoon when it had, was basically official that every 
conference in the um, country was going to, you know, basically close down their conference tournaments. It's almost like time has stood still since then, it's, at least on the sports side of things. And then obviously with what that led to and with what Aber said with, uh, you know, the cancellation of spring sports, it, uh, you know, I, I think that there's always been this hope that, uh, you know, we can obviously get things going and headed in the right direction, which I think they are. But at the same time, I think that, you know, I, I think we'd all be lying to ourselves and I'd be lying to myself if I said that I wasn't worried or fearful or scared that there wasn't going to be a football season in, um, you know, the calendar year of 2020. I think that's probably just the looming kind of dark cloud over everything outside of, you know, just staying healthy is the fact that, um, you know, our livelihood is in a way a little bit of a question mark right now. Yeah, thanks for uh, you know livening up the conversation with that bit. Last <laughs> I told you, hey, this is we're all doomed. Yeah, well, this is uh, this is not so dark, Eddie. So just think about what dark Eddie has been like the last couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, that would be bad. But uh, Eddie, I don't think you think that was forty-eight hours. I think it was about uh, twenty-four gosh, hours. Like, uh, well, even less than that, because I remember I got a haircut in Oklahoma City the day after the Rudy Gobert thing. So that Thursday, yeah. And as I'm sitting in the chair, the, the TV has a uh, big 12 sec, uh, big 10. I think there was a, maybe the AAC at that point had, had said that, that they were going to finish that game and that was going to be it. Um, and so that would have been, you know, what, 18 hours after uh, Rudy Gobert and sort of shook the sports world and really shook the world uh, completely by testing positive. I mean, for me, I think that it's the when the I think it's definitely the Rudy Gobert night because that was a crazy night. I mean, you had that happen. You had I mean, we found out Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson had coronavirus that night. That was the same night. Um, and then the NCAA tournament being canceled. And I, I know that all the spring sports and the winter sports championships being canceled out, that, that stuff all sucks and is awful too. But the fact that they canceled the NCAA tournament to me was like, whoa, this is unbelievable. Because they, they wouldn't do that if it wasn't, you know, I mean, the, a billion dollar tournament is canceled. Um, that I think that's sort of when it really, really hit me. Although the Rudy Gobert stuff was, was pretty crazy too, especially since it happened here. I mean, it was yeah. just unbelievable. Yeah, and the swiftness that the NBA, uh, you know, came down where they they said that the next day they were going to shut down for 30 days. I think that was the first real sort of punch that, hey, this this thing isn't going to be really quick. Well, guys, remember, remember, they 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 had that uh, that Warriors game was scheduled to be played without uh, a, a fan without fans in attendance. Uh, then you had that New Orleans game. Um but it was yeah, like they were, they were it was out in Sacramento, right? It was yeah, it was really just to me looking back on it, the the thing that's bizarre about it is just how like you guys said how swiftly it shut down. I mean, like, people forget about this. Like Lincoln Riley had a pre-spring press conference. We had uh, a media availability for spring football and the team practiced one time and then we were supposed to have another on on Thursday. And when the NBA stuff just set things in motion so much, you almost forget, like, today is Sunday as we're recording this. There was supposed to be a spring game yesterday. So we were supposed to be all the way through spring. But I, I'm just always going to remember the, the how quickly 
everything just went away and how quickly, you know, plans had changed, like you said. And I think shutting down, you know, starting the Big 12 basketball tournament and then just stopping it and finishing it, like all of that starting and stopping just on a dime, I think is is what, to me, I look back on and just say, wow, that's just unbelievable. Yeah, and you got to remember, too, that there were so many people that were already on location in Kansas City and had to basically just turn around or if they were on their way, turn around on halfway up the I-35 to go to Oklahoma's game that night. And it just the whole thing since then has been um, it's just been weird. It, it hasn't felt the same. And I don't I don't think that we're ever going to get that normalcy uh, or that sense of feeling of uh, normalcy. Uh, back it's just always gonna it's gonna in a in a really bad analogy it's always gonna be like pre 9-11 and post 9-11 there were certain steps that you had to take after everything happened yeah that's a good point yeah but you know what the difference there is is that on after 9-11 I went to school the next day you know like I still went to school I still my dad still went to work like that that's this is different in that I mean we can't you you can barely leave your house I mean we always had you know, obviously, with it being in September, you had college football, you had the NFL, you had the uh, Major League Baseball playoffs uh, that were all returned at some point. And then, you know, the next coming days or the coming weeks. And there was always that sense of normalcy that you were able to get through sports. And, uh, you know, that's obviously not there right. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a string of well, when I was growing up the day after the, uh, the Major League Baseball All-Star break was the day when there was never any sports. And you're like, how can I get through this day without uh, without a game on? And now we've had, you know, a little bit over a month of it. Guys, um, yeah, when this, you know, the kind of the first glimpse of hope I think that we got in this whole thing was when uh, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci came out and said, yeah, you, you know, you can play sports. Um, I, I There won't be any fans in the stands. And I think, you know, you would have to have teams quarantined and, uh, you know, monitored and tested, you know, if you were going to play sports. Um, I, you know, and I'm curious, we kind of, you know, batted it around a little bit on the pod. Um, Jason, I think I know the answer to this. Ryan, you've got, you know, f- you know, family to think about. Uh, but I'm curious. So, like, if, if college football said, okay, uh, we're going to have our teams quarantined in a hotel, and uh, everybody's going to be checked. There's not going to be any fans in the stand. Uh, media, if you want to cover us, you're going to be quarantined for three and a half months too. Uh, would you guys be up for that, being quarantined? Uh, uh, for man, you know it's hard for me because well, and you're married uh, too, Jason. I didn't mean to say you right, don't have a no, family. no, no. I, I know what you meant, but yeah. Um, See, the, the weird thing for me right now is that, you know, my wife is still having to go to work. She works for Oklahoma City Public Schools and is, um, you know, in the nutrition department. So she's having to go out oh, and help wow. feed these kids every day. I mean, which, you know, if she doesn't do that, these kids don't get fed. Right, yeah. So it's a, I mean, it's a it's a vital, important thing. But, you know, so I, I have that element also. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what would happen if, if that was uh, an ultimatum because it's like – I, I don't know that I can come home if she's being exposed to, you know, hundreds, thousands of people every day and then go do that if that would be even be allowed. But I also don't want to lose my job. That's a that's a tough one. I had honestly not really thought about that, Carrie. That's that's a boy. That's a tough one. Yeah, I, it would 
it'd be really tough for me too. My, the good thing for me is my wife is able to work from home. My, my daughter's been schooling from home. So if there was a situation where she could go with me and have to be quarantined in a hotel room, I'd, we'd probably be all right with that. Now, if it was uh, otherwise, and it just have to be me by myself, it would be some talking to do, but it's, uh, that's a tough decision for sure. Where have you guys been? And I think uh, Carrie and I have been uh, pretty, uh, I guess, transparent on where we feel like uh, this is or our, our kind of our uh, feeling on it. But just like the daily updates that people have felt like they needed to throw out there. I understand that it, it's newsworthy when, you know, somebody says something uh, and somebody, especially in power, uh, like a Bob Bowlesby or, you know, whoever from the NCAA or, uh, you know, whatever. But I, I feel like Mike Gundy. Yeah, like, I, and we can definitely get into the Mike Gundy stuff. I think a lot of people know how we feel about that. But uh, where have you been as far as the daily updates, knowing that it's, you know, the middle of April and there still is time for these, you know, decision makers to make uh, decisions? There doesn't need to be a wide ranging uh, decision on the future of college football in the middle of April. Yeah, and there really can't be right now for, for a lot of reasons. There's just so much unknown uh, going forward where these these decisions are going to be made sort of trickling uh, out over the next few months. So it, it's definitely something, Eddie, that uh, I, I listen to and read about and you know keep an eye out for. But I've tried to get not too caught up in these decisions just because, like I said, how, how fluid everything can be right now. What do you yeah, think, though? I'm, what do you guys I'm, think, sorry. though, of, of constantly having – to deal with people that want to write these stories about projecting when things are going to start though. It, it almost feels like and I don't, my guys don't feel any pressure to have to do that, but it's just like everybody's looking for one of these little morsels of information to be able to run with this big headline about, uh, you know, leading researcher says no way this country's opening up until 2022. Right. Yeah. See, yeah. that's kind of how I feel is that we just don't know. I mean, nobody knows. Uh, and, and pretending like, you know, I understand that we have to, you know, reporters have to report and we have to, you know, people are desperate for that sort of information. But I mean, the truth is the only people that matter right now are, uh, you know, political leaders who make these decisions about uh, shelter in place stuff and the public health officials yeah, and infectious like disease Fauci. people. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, you know, it doesn't uh, it doesn't matter what Joe Castiglione thinks, really, because he has no idea. He has no idea, and he's not going to be the one making these decisions. You know what I mean? Well, it's you know, people get fired up about things that Mike Gundy said, what Dabo Sweeney said, and things like that. And then you know, we all have to ask Lincoln Riley similar questions, and and not that we're trying to you know get him to say something stupid, but it's just a question you've got to ask you know, when do you think this thing's going to come back? How will it look? But the answers are ridiculous and, and meaningless because nobody knows. Right. And, and uh, yeah, that's exactly right. And see, I think that it doesn't matter, like I said, what these people think about when things are going to turn around and stuff. But I also think that, and, and you know, maybe this gets us into this Gundy thing, but people like Gundy and Dabo Sweeney have a responsibility to, to not, say really stupid things that are totally uh, at odds with what public health officials yeah. are saying. And it's like, 
I mean, when Mike Gundy talks about getting everyone back on May 1st and says things about how 18 to 22 year olds aren't going to, they'll just recover. Well, that's not true. We know that that's not true because people are dying at that age. And Dabo Sweeney talking about flying to Florida and how he's not scared. He's going to go to Florida at his vacation house. I mean, that's just unacceptable. And because there are people who will hear that, there are OSU Clemson fans who will hear that and think, well, I can go to Myrtle Beach because Dabo Sweeney said that it's okay. Or um, even if Dabo Sweeney is doing everything exactly right, even if he's sanitizing his plane like he says he is, I mean, that's just so tone deaf and stupid because not everybody has a plane that they can get sanitized. Well, it kind of comes down to, you know, what we're seeing with, you know, people starting rallies and stuff like people are looking for a reason. Some people are looking for a reason uh, I don't know if they're just crazy and they just, you know, they would be doing this even if it was the, you know, apocalypse or whatever. Uh, you'd find someone protesting. But, yeah, you are kind of giving weight to that, you know, that fringe segment that's out there in the population. to, to be, Okay, let's do gather. This is a bunch of bullshit. Like, uh, this this is a hoax or whatever. I mean, the the... Stuff that maybe I don't know mentally imbalance is the right way to put it, but it's the right way to put it, Carrie. Uh, I mean, it takes it takes something special to believe some of the things that I've read. Yeah, you know the the hoax, the five G thing. Oh my god, all this stuff. Well, I, I, I mean, I, it, it's also it's it's amazing. Like I'm sure some of you have had friends that have sent you like. Hey, watch this video. It it reveals a lot about this. Like these people are out there making like these really professional looking uh, you know, news reports that are complete hoaxes and people buy into it. Like the the links that people will go, the the uh the deep state <laughs> I mean, um, you know, network that is out there. It's unbelievable how much, you know, how easy it is to fall for some of this stuff now. Well, Carrie, I tweeted about this a few weeks ago. I went to pick up takeout for me and Annie a, a couple weeks ago, and you know, I was just making small talk with a woman, and she starts telling me about how she saw a video that said that COVID-19 was patented in 2006. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> like, I, I don't even know what consp- – I can't keep track of all these insane conspiracies. Yeah, like the 40 involving Bill Gates. Yeah. Those are insane. Those are absolutely insane. And I know I like to joke around about like conspiracy theories and stuff, but some of the stuff is pretty scary. I I, I would say that. Yeah. The craziest thing is fun, definitely the craziest. They don't involve you directly. Sure. Yeah. The craziest thing is definitely the thing that was floating out there about Harvey, Harvey Weinstein and Oprah being a child trafficker and all that stuff. Oh, and and Tom Hanks. Yeah, Tom Hanks was saying that his di- diagnosis was like a code. And didn't some people that, say that he was that a, he was actually in prison when he was doing the Saturday Night yeah, Live monologue? Yeah, Saturday Night Live stuff. My God, people have time on their hands. It's it's it, it's an interesting thing to talk about, though, just as far as how that can be combated. Because I do think that uh, more than ever, I think that there are just people that flat out, if there's if it comes from a uh, you know a particular media news source, they just dismiss it as uh, you know for. I guess you can't call it anything else other than fake news, which, you know, I, I think is funny to an extent, but it has become a uh, wide ranging, uh, I guess, kind of a societal problem, if you will. 
I'll tell you this, well, and, I, and this is maybe Aver uh, gets this a little bit more. Maybe you kind of remember this a little bit, Kersey, but uh, you know, before the internet, um, and you know, you guys know like Richard Linklater, he did you know Boyhood, and I think his first movie was called Slackers, and it was set in Austin, and um, but he had this character in it, and I always remember this. Like there used to be before there was the internet and all this access to all this stuff, like there was a certain segment of the population that all they did their 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 life's work was trying to prove the uh, conspiracy theories around John F Kennedy's murder like that was like like there you know there was a third you guys have all heard like there was a second shooter and all that stuff like like all these whack yeah, the jobs yeah the, all these whack jobs that are out there now doing all this deep state stuff and and coming up with all these Harvey Weinstein and Oprah. Like, those people used to all flock to Lee Harvey Oswald, you know, conspiracies. And and, and that, so there's always been a segment of the population that's been like this. It's just the Internet oh, there, makes there it has, more, the, more, you know, visible, I guess. Well, it, it makes the, the whack jobs, for, for lack of a better word, visible. But it also feeds into these uh, – it's easy for them to disseminate conspiracy theories, and people do research by watching YouTube videos, and then, yeah. then they take uh, that as gospel. crazy opinions. Yeah. Well, like I said, I, I've been pleasantly surprised because I haven't seen a ton of that stuff. I think a lot of, a lot of people are just like everybody else. They're just hanging out. And we kind of got off track there on one thing that Kersey was talking about and, you know, the Mike Gundy stuff. But the thing that I think is different for us guys is the, the university setting. It's so different from the NBA or the NFL. Uh, and, and, you know, last time we talked to Joe Castiglione, he brought this up on the teleconference that, you know, schools have to open back up at some point, whether that means, um, you know, kids on campus, kids not on campus, whatever. There's so many hoops that colleges have to jump through that professional sports leagues don't have to worry about. Right. Yeah, and, and it goes yeah. through. Oh, sorry, Jason, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, Kerry, to that point, I, I think the most interesting statements that have been made in the last few weeks were after, I guess, the college uh, conference commissioners and Jack Swarbick from Notre Dame and all those guys had a conference call with Vice President Pence, and I guess they told him that they weren't they weren't comfortable playing sports until the campuses are open, which that changes a lot to me. I mean that if what and and also what does that mean? Does that mean that online classes count or don't count? I mean, how do you how do you do that if you're not if if campus isn't open and there if that means there's no football, then I mean I think that's probably a pretty bad sign. I I, I don't know. I I thought that was some of the most interesting stuff that's come out here lately. I'll be yeah, interested. Oh, go, go ahead, Aver. No, go well, ahead. I was just gonna gonna say, uh, you know, I, I think at some point that's probably gonna have to be revisited. The the question of whether there could be a situation where you could have college football without physical classes going on at the university, just because there might be a, a determination that hey, we there can't be physical classes for a while, but we can it'd be okay to be in these kind of settings that, that athletics would allow to, for, we'll see if that gets revisited. But also I, I think that the NCAA has to be really 
cognizant of just the, the optics of things right now with everything else that's going on around their enforcement, the name image likeness thing and the, the you know, any thoughts about college athletes getting paid, they can't make them feel like employees too much uh, because of the consequences uh, for those issues. Well, you know, yeah, that's, what, go ahead, that's what's going to be interesting to me is that they've kind of left the door open a little bit. And, uh, you know, I certainly appreciate the fact that they have, but what's, who's to say that it isn't considered a university being opened if the campus or the buildings on campus are open, but you're not holding classes inside the classroom setting. I, I think that's, what's going to be interesting here over the next couple of months to see, uh, you know, obviously what steps are made by, uh, you know, the, the, people that are testing but outside of that uh you know what is the the line gonna be as far as you know if they're not back if if we don't have a decision by july 15th what you know what's that mean i i guess what i'm trying to say is i don't think there's any way they start football on time i do think that there's still an opportunity out there that they could get a football season in though guys i th i'll say this i think schools and like you said revisit i think is the key word here um there's a long history, especially at the University of Oklahoma, when uh, uh, you know President Cross back in the day said we want to build a university our football team can be proud of. Um, you know there is there is a history of you know I know kids and I've had you know friends that live out in California and their kids grow up they went to OU but their kids grow up and they end up picking schools based on you know kind of athletic programs and football teams. I had one friend who's Daughter went to Alabama. Another one's at Florida right now. Um, and, and to me, I think if you're a president of a university, you can't sit around and worry about optics as much. I mean, your optics already look bad. You're, you're going to be forcing kids to pay regular tuition prices and not have a campus experience. I mean, that in itself is, is already kind of, I've seen that come under fire a little bit. Um, and to me, if you can give your student population something to look forward to, which is sports, you know, football on the weekends, then you need to do that right now. I mean, people need a distraction right now. Even if it's in a quarantine control environment, people need that stuff right now. And it's not just, you know, in college, it's their students. And it might be, you know, Joe Blow working, you know, down at the meatpacking plant or whatever. Um, nothing against meat packers, you know, not trying to, I'm just trying to come up with an example, but I'm just saying, uh, you know, it, it could be good for everyone to have football, regardless of, I just don't think you can get caught up right now in, oh, how does this look? You know, because we, we've always, you know, this is amateurism and we don't want to give off the, the, uh, the, the, you know, or of this being like hired guns and stuff like this. Don't worry about all that stuff right now. I'd say the SEC produces probably the best product for its fan base and understand its fan base. I don't see any way that that group can they'll stand up there and say, yep, the football season's canceled. You can't have it. I just I don't. And maybe that's just me telling myself that. So I have something to believe in or I have some type of hope. But I just can't imagine them uh, laying that down for its fan base and, and basically saying, sorry, but uh, we're just not going to do it. Yeah, I think just for the amount of jobs that would be lost if we lost a college football season, you know, not only obviously it would affect our industry, but uh, these colleges, you know, most of them aren't making money at, for the athletic department 
as a whole, but the money that they're making comes from the football program. And if you don't have that, there's a lot of other programs that, uh, including on the college side, that, get, that wind up having to get cut. Is there a is there an obvious you know uh, thing that's going to come out of this for any of you about college athletics moving forward in the future? Whether it's you know the way that uh, you know there's been some talk about you know maybe some of these uh, non-revenue sports don't need to be traveling you know, to West Virginia uh, that, that needs to be more regionalized. Do you think that there's, there's going to be a tightening of the belt uh, across the country with college athletics after this is over with? I don't think there's any doubt about it that, that we're going to see that, and we've already seen it. Heck, Cincinnati, uh, was it that cut their soccer program? Right, yeah. I saw another uh, D2 or D3 school down, I think, in Texas that uh, discontinued a lot of their programs, so... I think we're going to see that uh, across the board in, in college athletics. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, it just, you know, you look at the, and even some of the, the small schools that basically run their athletic program on the money that they make from a, a scheduled appearance in Norman or Austin or Tuscaloosa, uh, you know, the Florida A&Ms of the world, it's going well, to be I mean, the Missouri States. Missouri Shit, State yeah, coming yeah. down here. Cincinnati dropped their men's soccer team. I mean, and I think that, you know, the part of, the other part of that, too, is is there's going to be big time uh, or not big time, but big G5 schools and maybe even some smaller power five schools that have been looking for reasons to eliminate an Olympic sport. And they can use this as, you know, more or less an excuse. Yeah, I mean, I, I talked uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe last week, I'm losing track of my days here, but I talked to Patty Gasso and she said. She hopes there's a football season, even if it's played in the middle of their season next year, because she said, I'm not naive. I know we need football. And um, so, yeah, I think that we're going to really see some tightening of the belt. I think we're going to see some people trying to find creative ways to, to save money. I think we're going to see coaches getting their salaries cut, which probably needed to happen anyway, frankly. Um, we've seen that some schools eliminating bonuses and things. You know, maybe this is the uh, the tidal wave that was coming uh, when it comes to these increasing, increasing, increasing salaries in college sports, you know, I, I'm not saying that this is a good thing or anything like that. I'm just saying maybe this is what finally breaks the dam on that stuff. And and maybe some of that stuff gets a little bit more under control. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the escalation of salaries, I mean, that it's happening across the board. I mean, you see it. OU, uh, for instance, I mean, look at you know what Alex Grinch is getting paid for a defensive coordinator job. And you look at it you know, all the coaches, people like, you know, places like Ohio State have, and then the ridiculous amounts of support staff that Alabama and Georgia has and recruiting budgets even. You know, Georgia has kind of become legendary for how much they're spending on recruiting every year. Uh, you look at that stuff, and, and no one has been willing to reel, reel in Nick Saban or Kirby Smart or, you know, I think Joe Castiglione probably – uh, is as frugal as you'll find at a major program that's going to, uh, you know, college football playoffs year after year. Uh, but, you know, there's going to have to be more oversight with some of that stuff because, you know, in this time, you just can't continue that. Like, I don't know how Alabama is going to continue going on with, you know, a, 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 a QC for, you know, uh, it, it's almost like, you know, they have a QC for how to, you know, dress for practice or something. I mean, it's ridiculous. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm with you. I mean, I think that kind of stuff is is probably going to be cut back too. I mean, I, I I wouldn't be surprised at all if some of that stuff is cut back now. And and maybe some schools like you know Lincoln Riley, I think we we probably all know as has wanted to increase that stuff and get a little bit more on that level and have more people. And maybe maybe this uh, means that OU won't get those sort of advantages that maybe Lincoln thought he was going to get. Yeah, but it goes far beyond football. And Eddie and I might be the only ones who have paid attention to this topic. And I assume, Eddie, you'll fall in this group. But, you know, this talk about getting a, another assistant in college baseball and college softball that's been kicked up in the college baseball community, that talks over. And I, I think that there are going to be a lot of eliminations of assistant coaches in uh, a lot of those minor sports to go along with contracting of, of what they do in football. Yeah. You know, Ryan, you talk about, uh, you know, those smaller sports being, uh, really affected. If you're a volunteer baseball assistant coach, you're basically half of, I, I might even say more than half of your salary every year comes from the camps that they run over the summer and get those kids in. And now you're not going to, you're facing a, uh, you know, basically a summer that you're not going to be able to have that. And I know Oklahoma is actually, announced that they're going to be going from town to town and holding one day to uh, to try and generate. But I mean, again, there's a decision yet parents are going to have to make. Are they going to send their kids to, uh, you know, go basically be at a baseball camp with, uh, I don't know if they're going to cap the number of how many can be around or what, but uh, you're going to have to make a decision there. And it's obviously not going to be as, as much as, you know, you would probably be paying for those campers to go to, uh, spend a week in Norman and live in the dorms and do that entire experience. So uh, it, it really hurts the, uh, the pocketbooks, no doubt about it, about, uh, you know, those guys that are volunteer assistants or even just the regular assistants, uh, whether it be in the baseball or softball programs. Yeah. And that, that really does kind of show you, and even, I mean, summer camps, losing summer camps. I mean, uh, uh, oh my gosh, you know, just... a big part of for football, a big part of, uh, you know, paying those assistants, what they can pay them is, you know, a lot of that money from summer camps goes into that fund to, to pay your assistant coaches. I mean, it's just the 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 ripple effect of this stuff uh, and, you know, budgets and all that stuff. Like, we could probably put paper to pin to it. Uh, I think we would just be shocked at, to know how much revenue is being lost uh, in not just the Big 12 basketball tournament, but you start putting in summer camps, not just for football, but for baseball and softball and, and everything. Like it's, like, it's like this little micro-economy that's just been taken away um, that, you know, and even, I mean, what are they going to do with, you know, with season tickets? Are they going to have to refund? Is Sooner Club going to have to refund? I mean, sure they, I'm sure they don't yeah. want to, but uh, you're going to have some people that are like, why am I, you know, why am I paying this donation fee if I don't have season tickets or, uh, you know, we, we can't sit in the stands this year. I mean, that's, that's another thing that really hasn't hit home either yet. Well, and how yeah. about, uh, how about the, just the, the, the idea that, you know, it, oh, what was I, I just completely lost my, my train of thought. I, I had something and then <laughs> it just completely left. Go ahead, Abra. I'm going to think about this for a second. <laughs> well, I, just the, the amount of ways that they'll be affected, you know, you think about the, the loss in, in donor money, not just the, the season ticket money, but like you said, the Sooner Club, the money that they get, you know, that those losses are just going to magnify and, and affect programs. And for, 
decades. This isn't going to be something where, you know, everything's going to return to normal, even financially. Uh, as soon as this thing's over, it's going to take quite a while to get back to normal. I, I think that's that much is clear. So it's going to be uh, fascinating to see how that affects college athletics uh, in total. Can you I, know, uh, what sorry. was the number that Baylor threw out there? I remember what I was going to say. I, wasn't it 80 million that they are already uh, planning to lose over the, uh, I think it's the course of the next year uh, because of uh, the lost games and uh, you know, obviously the lost spring and possibly the lost attendance. Uh, I think 80, 80 million was the number that they threw out there. I, I, I would say, guys, I think we're uh, – when are we ever going to get the finish of the uh, of the stadium renovations? Remember when they did the, yeah. the new Switzer Center and all that stuff and they were had these grand plans and the oil prices tanked and so they couldn't do that? And now uh, with this, I mean, are we ever going to get a new press box? I realize that's the least important thing in the world right now. You son I, of a bitch. Kersey's worried about the press good. box and the pandemic's well, going on. I just don't think that stuff is ever going to happen, or at least also, not for a long time. Also, I'll be the one to say this. I don't want a new press box. I don't either, because they're going to tuck don't... us in the corner. Exactly. <laughs> so we we have the best view. Well, one of the best views. Like, I could think Notre Dame. Notre Dame's is incredible. awesome. Yeah. It's uh, the best. There's a couple other that are relatively similar. But, you know, we got it pretty good up there in the press box as far as doing our jobs. I'm not going to complain too much about well, that one if that doesn't get do done. They, do they? But like Jason says, that's not getting done anytime soon. Well, neither but, is the baseball stadium or the softball stadium. Well, it wasn't. It was, I, I, I was We're joking giving about the you shit, a little bit. Kersey, before, come on. Just, I, I know that, but my point just is that there were grand, grand no, plans. No, the master for, plan for the came out, yeah. That are, that are done now, you know, beyond what has already been done. Yeah. So. The, the well, and they went so far. The escalators. They and, went so far uh, as to put up a master plan for a, a, the basketball arena, too. And that never, because they knew they weren't going to be able to do the, the west side. Like, the, they never even introduced the basketball play. They didn't even want anybody to see that. Yeah, they knew that, they weren't going to get uh, make any headway also there. Also, the you know their their chance was the uh, I'm trying to keep, remember the name of the park that's up there at Norman uh, that they were were talking about building it in sort of a the commercial area. That was their shot to yeah. get a new basketball arena, and when uh, that didn't go anywhere in the city of Norman, then uh, you know that went out the window. University North, I think, is that development area. Yeah. University North Park, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, but no, I, I mean, yeah, I look, <laughs> I, we're so far away from worried about oil prices and and all that stuff. It's just here's the here's the one thing that's the most sobering to me, it, which is probably, you know, the way things are going right now. You can definitely see it happen. Can you imagine the Red River rivalry with no fans in the stands? I, somebody asked that me that be. earlier this week, what, what they would do. And I like even the idea, which I think we can all agree when sports comes back, it's going to, it's going to be without fans. So we're going to just have to accept that reality. Um, you know, Carrie, we've talked about how we would, how, what, what it would look like to cover it, how we would cover it. But just the idea of like playing an away game does, OU would they, would they, I guess they have to, would they travel to Lawrence to play in a stadium that is empty? Um, you know the non the the uh, previously scheduled games at um, 
at neutral sites, that would just be incredible to walk through uh, the, the state fair with a no fair is going to be set up. You can't have hundreds of thousands of people together. We could probably just go ahead and eliminate that idea. And then B, a, a empty cotton bowl, just like, would they just move it to Jerry World? I, I have no idea. Would they just play it at the star? It, it really is kind of an interesting conversation to have. Yeah, you could play that yeah, game at the it star. Is. And yeah, why, why, why on earth would you play at the cotton bowl? It would feel a lot. Plus the star is attached to the Omni, so you could quarantine pretty easily. Yeah, that would be. And I just uh, did I just solve the problem? Are we going to just quarantine <laughs> everybody at uh, the Omni and play the Big Twelve Conference at the Star this year? Eddie, where were you in 1918 when OU Texas <laughs> got canceled because of the Spanish flu? And where uh, were you? They, they couldn't find a way to reschedule that game. I was going to read about that in the Daily Oklahoma, but the guy that wrote about it, I, not so much, not for me. Yeah, he's he's a little rough, but yeah, <laughs> maybe someday you'll get a little bit of polish to him. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing. Like, this is so third-world problems, but, I mean, if media were involved, aren't they going to have to limit how many people can actually be in a press box at one time? Well, you would I, think so, and you'd have to be quite a bit more spread out. Of course, if there's nobody in suites, then that opens yeah. up uh, some some other areas. They could almost give us a box each at that point. But Can we get a yeah, carving station outside? I'd love to have a carving station if we're going to be sitting in the suites. <laughs> that would be nice. That That's a uh, – it, it's funny to think about that, but, like, I was telling Carrie earlier this week, it's – do you think that they just give you a section if there's no fans that are going to be in the stadium? Would uh, would the Oklahoman get like section uh, four, uh, the athletic get section five, and Sooner Scoop get section six? How would that even work out? And like, are they going to really tell, I guess, players' parents that they can't come? I, I there's so many Ooh, questions. Yeah, obviously, we don't have any of the answers to it, but I never even thought uh, about parents. It's going to be insane. Yeah, and then it, you know, does this change the dynamic of press conferences? Forever, we'll oh, wind so. up having them on Zoom, uh, you know, something like that, or doing some kind of teleconference instead of uh, you know being right there, you know, sixteen inches away from somebody. Yeah, I, Would, from a bit from a video standpoint, I have no idea. Like the the sidelines are usually pretty packed. I guess they they would let you still film, and you know, in a way. I mean, the the schools are going to need media to cover these events because if fans can't get in, there's gonna, the interest in it is going to be higher than it ever has been. Oh yeah, they're going to especially for TV, but even I think down to to what we're doing, they're going to be uh, accommodating. It's just a, a matter of what that looks like and and the dynamics of everything once the thing's said and done. Well, hey, I, can we talk? Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go uh, ahead, Carson. I was just thinking about things that have happened here recently that are that are more interesting to me than they ever would have been before because I'm so desperate for sports. I was just going to bring up, can we talk about Gabe Burkich's, um videos? <laughs> oh, Holy we crap. celebrated him uh, the other day as, as the, uh, what did we say about him, Eddie? Like he was, has uh, there ever been a player that has had the season that he had? That like until he started putting out those videos, like literally, I think most OU fans forgot he even existed. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, and not to mention the fact that the guy we've just offended Kersey, the job. I 
he didn't win the job out of <laughs> yeah. uh, out of camp. I mean, that's insane. And then he had probably nice the, job, Jay Bulware. Is it the well? That's why that's why he's, they got rid of him. <laughs> is 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 that is that did he have the best season or the most underappreciated season in Oklahoma history? I know that for a kicker is kind of funny to say, but I mean he came up in huge spots for them all year. His his uh, the video I think you t- you uh, put it out there, Eddie. The swagger that he walked out to kick that game winner against Baylor with. Oh, I mean. That and then all these videos, like I, I think that uh, I, I hope we get to talk to him a lot, whether it's on Zoom or not. I, I have a feeling he's a great interview. We wouldn't know because we never got to talk to him last year. Yeah, I, t- I talked not better, to him uh, at Media Day, I know. And after, what was it, the Big 12 championship game, I think, was when he was made available for the first time. Oh, that's and right. Yeah, he's been available, I guess, a couple times. He was a an interesting, uh, insightful guy. And honestly, I think, was it you, Jason? Uh, talked to Reeves Munchow and said similar things about him. Yeah, he was uh, great. And I actually, I have like a bunch of stuff from him. I planned on doing a story about him at some point. I guess now I should probably go ahead and do it. What else am I going to write? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rewrite Gamers from the the mid 2000s for the rest of the <laughs> summer. Uh, between, no. between Gabe Burkich and then uh, did you guys see Spencer Jones' video yesterday, the walk-on wide receiver? Yeah, that was awesome. Basket, that's unbelievable. A lot of pressure on Casey Keller to uh, get something going viral. If he's going to be the uh, – if that's the kicking and holder unit next year, uh, Casey Keller as the deep snapper has to go viral now too. Guys, Absolutely. We, we mentioned this earlier, and we kind of did our own on, this, on, on Sooner Scoop. We did our own little predictions about what we would have been talking about today or writing about today. If the spring game had happened, uh, for Aber and Kersey, I'm curious what you think your biggest takeaways outside of Spencer Rattler, because I think everybody was going to talk about that or, or write about that. I guess maybe you know if you think he he would have solidified himself as the starter, and if they'd had a full spring. But what do you think you would have you know been writing about coming out of the spring game today? Well. Uh, for me, I, I think obviously that would be one of them. I mean, I guess if Tanner Mordecai had an incredible spring game and Rattler was bad, then maybe we'd all have to rethink the things we've been saying. I don't think that would have happened. But Which, uh, by the way, Kersey uh, is the one who spearheaded the uh, we're not going to call this a quarterback battle, uh, Yeah, which never materialized because we didn't really have a spring. Yeah, I, I refuse to do it. It's not a quarterback battle. It's not real. And uh, I, I'm I'm done playing these stupid games with Lincoln. I, I I like Lincoln, but I'm not I'm not playing these games with him anymore. Uh, I, I almost fell for it with Austin Kendall. I almost got until to a he point got where benched like, by West where Virginia. I was. Yeah, where I was like, wow, that must have really been close. I actually started thinking that and then Kyler won the Heisman. And I was like, why did I ever buy that? So um, so that's one thing, but, uh, you know, I'd be interested to see like how, um, how TJ Pledger looked, how, uh, yeah. you know, Marcus major, Seth McGowan, the other running backs, especially after Trey Sermon left, I- I'd be really interested in that. Well, um, and Trey Sermon plus the possible suspension of Ramondre Stevenson to start the season. I think that would have been a big talking point, uh, coming out of the spring game, just how deep they were at running back. So does the NCAA just go ahead and let, 
of Trajan and Ramondre. That's a good and, question. Uh, and those guys, just let them play. Or if the season is pushed back, just go ahead and let them play the whole season. Can we just count this as the suspension? Yeah, I think, was it uh, MLB that said that their suspensions uh, wouldn't be effect, in effect next year if the season is, is uh, canceled? Oh, uh, Something canceled. like that. It yeah, wouldn't, it wouldn't would carry hope. over to the next season is what you're saying for MLB. That it wouldn't, yeah. Yeah, okay. And it shouldn't. They shouldn't have been suspended in the first place, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, and I'd, I'd said this around. Like, I'd, I'd heard that, you know, all that stuff was pretty much decided now. Like, that's one thing yeah, we, didn't, we didn't well, ever yeah. get a chance to, to ask Lincoln, but he's refused to even address it. I, it's, well, a, it's a done deal. You know, Ronnie Perkins, yeah. you know, uh, Ramondre, mm-hmm. all those guys are going to miss. I mean, well, yeah, yeah, Trajan Bridges. the appeals well, did well, not Well, we work. knew that because, I mean, even back then when they didn't play in the Peach Bowl, I mean, I dug through the NCAA rulebook, and I could not find anything that would allow for the kind of appeal Lincoln was talking about. I don't know where that came from because – I think that if there was an appeal, it was denied because they would have let him play in the Peach Bowl if there was any chance that that would get overturned. Yeah. At this point, I think Lincoln's just hoping and praying that maybe the NCAA changes its rules on testing for certain things and overturn suspensions that are already in effect. Which I think that, you know, if you did get suspended for recreational marijuana, I think it's time that you know they they can use this time to say okay that's bs let's just let's lift that i mean it's yeah. in a, the dispensaries are an essential business right now guys <laughs> like <laughs> essential for you and no Eddie. comment on that but uh <laughs> i'm saying the state of oklahoma says they're essential they're all still open hey i'm you that's know true. i'm not judging if you got your medical marijuana card go to it i'm all for it I'm not judging anybody here Eddie. Um, Thank you for not judging me, Kerry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jason, he'll judge you. He just won't judge you for that. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to, no, I don't want to, maybe being too into the noble bears, I'll judge you for that. Uh, That's fair. Ryan, That's totally fair. Ryan, Ryan I, don't, I don't know that we really got your, what you think would have been your prediction for biggest takeaway out of the spring would have been. Oh, I mean, I talked about the running back thing a little bit. I think we would have been talking about that. I think we would have been overreacting to every little thing about the the defense and what it looked like with the the new coaches, uh, how you know Jamar Kane fit in over there, things like that. Uh, but would have been a whole lot better than the reality of what we're uh, dealing with right now, for sure. Yeah, and I think I you know the the one thing we get, we did get to talk to Alex Grinch and. You know, the one thing that I took out of our talk with Alex Grinch, and I even asked Lincoln Riley about this, but uh, it was that they came out of that Peach Bowl, and it was uh, it was so bad. I mean, like, I don't know if Justin Fields will ever recover from that game. It's just one of those things. <laughs> um, just yeah. just from a, a fan well, standpoint, a confidence standpoint, just a – I don't know that you'll ever see Justin Fields. Justin Broyles. On – Justin, Justin Broyles, Patrick Fields. Patrick Fields. You said Justin Fields twice. Yeah. Is he? Are you breaking news that he's transferring to Oklahoma? It's 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 this whole Ohio State thing that we went through last night that's on my mind. I think <laughs> uh, with this commitment that was and then wasn't, and who knows what's going on now. Uh, but yeah, Justin Broyles. Like, but the thing was like 
they seemed to be like very encouraged, even though it wasn't a great game for any safety, but they seem to be very encouraged about Woody Washington. I was kind of looking forward to seeing what he could do in the spring, especially with the Larry and Turner yell out. Yeah. Yeah. I was too. I thought he was in, you know, relatively good position in some of those. It just, some of them turned into amazing plays on the other side, but uh, yeah, I was looking forward to seeing how those uh, DBs responded in the spring after having that obviously really rough, rough finish. Yeah, it, it would have been uh, very interesting because it did feel like you can look at the end of last season in two different ways. I feel like you either look at it as just the ultimate failure and the ultimate uh, kind of embarrassment that OU is finally or, or still is not able to get over that hump. And I, you know, I don't think that there were too many people that thought that they were. You look at it as the 2019 season, they got to a college football playoff despite a number of uh, deficiencies within that team. And, uh, you know, there is a lot of young talent uh, down there. It's just going to be interesting to see uh, how they can make that jump offensively. I think this group's going to be really good. And that was one of the things that I wrote was I thought you were going to leave the spring game thinking Spencer Rattler has a ton of people to throw the ball to, whether it be uh, any of the three uh, former five-star guys in Jaden Hazelwood, Theo Weiss, or Shaden Bridges, or, you know, even a guy that I think has kind of gotten lost in the shuffle a little bit and probably the number one guy that I envision of being in, we've talked about him on the unofficial 40 multiple times as the number one guy that really felt like he got a bad deal last year in Charleston Rambo. Uh, then you have Austin Stogner and that group of uh, H-backs. It's going to be kind of interesting to see, uh, you know, obviously uh, Riley's going to be able to do it offensively, but what kind of jump does uh, that defensive side of the ball make? And, you know, particularly what you just said, Kerry, uh, that safety position with Woody and then uh, you know, how does Justin Harrington fit into everything once he gets to campus? He's the type of guy that, you know, with the campus being closed, I would have to think is going to be put into a really unique situation when they are able to get this team together as far as, you know, he he basically is going to have missed all of spring. Are they going to ask him to just basically step in from day one and be be a guy in the secondary? Oh, I think it makes it much less likely that a guy like that is going to be able to contribute this year. I think we're going to see a whole lot fewer true freshmen uh, yeah. play in college football this year. And, you, I mean, your only hope really is guys like Perry on Winfrey that were, you know, have already played junior college yeah. ball. Yeah, uh, those kind of guys. Th my other but, favorite moment from the little bit of uh, media access we had in the spring was Alex Grinch basically saying, he didn't say this directly, uh, but he kind of said, LaRon Stokes ain't done shit. And I don't know, was that yeah, your question, Kersey, that you asked about Lauren Stokes? And he was like, I don't I don't think I asked about him, but I do remember when he said that. I don't think that was my question. I, I think it might have been a Paul Mateer question. Oh, yeah. We should have invited Paul Mateer on the pod, but then we'd have a hair battle. <laughs> well, he would win it. Hey, yeah, speak. I was about to say, with who? Well, well, I mean, look, what would Paul Mateer contribute? Because the last time we were all together, Eddie was covering... Uh, the Texas Tech game up at the Chesapeake. Uh, but the three of us uh, were hanging out playing trivia at the bar, and Tyler Palmatier was there as well. I don't remember Tyler Palmatier ever answering one single question the entire night that we had that trivia contest. Yeah, he wasn't jumping in on the, those conversations as we were trying to decide uh, what we were going to answer. But I will was, say, we did, I don't remember we did pretty that. well that. I will say, Kersey impressed me more than anyone has ever impressed me that night. 
wow. because one of the questions was how many electoral votes does Tennessee have? And it was like Rain Man. <laughs> Immediate. Immediately eleven. And he like ran yeah. up to the podium with the answer, and I was like, shit. He really I knows know a lot stuff. of random stupid shit. <laughs> Yeah, J- Jason has the electoral map uh, committed to memory for sure. Hey, since hair got brought up, can I just – I have to give a shout-out real quick to my wife. She gave me a haircut yesterday, and it actually looks pretty good. She'd been asking to do it for like a week. Were you she going said, Wolverine? She said, Jason. she said, and I quote, uh, you're starting to look like season one Fraser Crane. <laughs> um and but I I was I I didn't want to let her do it because you know I don't know why I thought I have some magical hairdo that she can't do. She I was just, about to say can, but, that can't um, be too difficult, right? Just like put a, a one or a two guard on your razor, on your uh, set of clippers. clippers I yeah. assume you have a set of clippers, yeah, and clean it up and then you know line off the back and you're good. Yeah, I'm, so I'm like you. Well. I'm like you, Aber. I just happened to get a haircut right before the shit hit the fan. So yeah, like, I, well, I'm in the perfect position, but uh, I probably would have been going back about right about now. Yeah, I I've already mi- I've missed my follow up appointment ten days ago. So Eddie doesn't care; he never gets a haircut anyway. He's about follow this up life. appointment. That sounds like it's a medical thing. Follow up appointment. <laughs> well, no, my haircut? next haircut. Well you, well, you get a haircut, and then you put yourself down like five weeks later. And then you get. I know you don't understand how this works, Jason. But but that's <laughs> but that's not a follow up appointment. It's just well, I mean, it's another haircut. Yeah, I'm sorry, I miss. I've, I've worded it wrong. Is, is is every six months a follow up with your dentist? Oh, I haven't been there in a very long time. <laughs> oh, don't admit Ooh. that. Well, I'm not like you know Austin Powers or anything. I'm, I had braces and stuff. Do you as a have kid. dental insurance, Carrie? I do. Why are you not going? Why not use? But it's, it? I think it's only cleanings for cleanings. Are generally free. Yeah, I think that's all my dental insurance gets me is cleanings. Because if, dude, if I go in there, they're gonna have so many root canals and stuff going on. I don't want to deal with that. And unless I'm like Tom Hanks and Castaway, I'm not going to the dentist. <laughs> Then they ask you when the last time you flossed was, and you oh my god, I don't even want to answer that question. Yesterday, when you haven't flossed, I'd rather tell them the years. number of STDs I've had in my life than <laughs> the last time I flossed. Well, how many is that? That's an interesting <laughs> subject. Well, it's obviously one or more. <laughs> Poor use of analogy there, Carrie. Well, you know, can't all be winners. In more ways than one. Um, so uh, the one thing that we haven't talked about is how this is affecting gymnastics, Aber. <laughs> I mean, it's massive. We've <laughs> tweeted about Maggie Nichols incessantly over the See, last uh, I'm trying six to, weeks. I'm Lincoln trying to, Riley jam- jumped into the conversation. I'm trying to open the door for Kersey to just go after you is what I'm doing right now. <laughs> No, I, well, I'm not going to well, do that because because uh, in two days on the athletic, well, be sure to check out Jason Kersey uh, pitch coming in. Oh, two, Maggie Nichols. I, I I should have been counting Aber interruptions of me on this podcast. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, no Tuesday on the athletic, big Maggie Nichols story coming out. So be sure to check that out. I'm not going to give anybody a hard time about gymnastics. Yeah, I knew that. I knew that that hard time was not forthcoming just for that reason. It only took a pandemic to get us here. The athletic writing about gymnastics. 
No, I was going to do it anyway. I had done most of these interviews a couple months ago. So, no, I was going to do it. Uh, you know, L Lindsay Morrison, the SID for Women's Gymnastics, has been after me about doing a Maggie Nichols story for a while. She uh, does a really good job, and uh, so I'm doing it. Is she the is she the one athlete that got screwed more than anybody at OU out of this deal? Uh, yeah, Maggie. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, I it's mean, hard to say like it her... was Christian Doolittle because they weren't going anywhere. Yeah, and Christian Doolittle is going to play basketball in some way professionally again, or right. not again, yeah. but he will. He'll continue. His career will continue. Mag Maggie Nichols goes from the pinnacle of collegiate sports, you know, being able to, to be a three-time individual champion and would have been, it would have won a thir third-time team champion. So her career is done. There's no more gymnastics for her. So, so yeah, I would say that uh, she was the one who was most affected by this. Yeah, it'd be like, uh, it'd be like saying after the, what, like the 2017 season, uh, Baker Mayfield, you're not playing anymore. You're not playing sports anymore. You're done. Yeah. Or maybe somebody if, bigger. Maybe somebody even bigger. Because I, from what I can tell, and obviously I'm not going and covering uh, the meets and stuff, but Maggie Nichols, would it be fair to say she's probably the most popular uh, women's collegiate athlete? Maybe not of all time, but certainly top five. Like I don't think yeah, that I she's grasp, way I up there. I don't and, grasp how big how big she is, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, she's massive in the gymnastics world. She's obviously big uh, at OU, especially as gymnastics has continued to grow uh, over the last couple of years because of how good Maggie Nichols was and, and is. And then that's gone. I mean, it'd be like, you know, uh, Leroy Selman having the rug uh, taken out from him before his, his last bowl game, things like that. Uh, it, it's just hard to imagine that that's how her career ends. Eddie may have just lost his chance at that Zoom call with Lauren Chamberlain with that last comment. I mean, I think everybody would agree with that. <laughs> Are you trying to self-sabotage so it doesn't happen? I mean, I I don't know. I, it's just awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie is speechless. Yeah, that doesn't happen very often. I think uh, it's more funny for you guys. <laughs> it's funny for everybody. So what do you guys, uh, What I mean, just outside of all this stuff, I mean, just day after day, just trying to find something else to, to write about, kind of like everybody else right now for you? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we're, uh, I've written about why I fell in love with sports initially. Yeah, so that Things was like a great, that. I did. A cool deal that you guys did and everybody doing that. That was really good. Yeah, it was Lincoln jumped on board and uh, uh, agreed to do one for us. That was great. And we've had a, a few others that have, have done that as well. But, uh, you know, I spent the better part of the first three weeks, I think, after this thing, researching uh, Oklahoma City's reaction to the Spanish flu epidemic in, in 1918, uh, which Eddie brought up earlier. We started talking about that, that uh, now it's just, yeah, trying to figure out what in the world to write about. This is, this is going to be the most normal week during this whole thing, this week coming up, because we actually have something real to talk about, something real to witness, something real to cover in the NFL draft. Yeah, and that's, yeah. I, I don't know, you know, 
it is really interesting because we've all spent so much time seeing the good and the bad of Kenneth Murray. And, you know, the fact that there haven't been, uh, you know, he didn't have to do anything at pro day. Uh, you know, he still had that hammy. Was, he basically ran one and a half forties. Uh, and it's almost like this has worked out better for him. Not saying that he would suck if he had to do a bunch of drills or anything, but it's almost made it to where Kenneth Murray is like, it, it, it's hard for anyone to question what he might not be. You can turn on his film when he was a freshman. Uh, you can see some of that stuff as a sophomore. Uh, but it, it, I don't know. To me, it seems like this has really kind of helped keep his stock high. Yeah, I think there's no doubt when you look at the, the OU stable of uh, potential draftees that he's the one who benefited most from this whole thing. And I'd say on the other side, Parnell Motley, could be a guy who suffers a little bit just because it's going to be really hard for guys who weren't invited to the NFL combine to be drafted. I think I saw a story and I wish I remembered where it was and I wish I could have found it uh, to reference and, and uh, you know, give proper credit, but it said that about 40 uh, undraft or guys who weren't invited to the combine each year wind up being drafted and a scout uh, told this reporter that it might be 10 this year, if that. So it's going to be that drastic of a cut. Well, So, yeah, sorry. I well, think he could be one of the ones uh, negatively affected by I, Parnell Motley. I, I might actually disagree with that, Ryan, because at least he had his pro day. There yeah, were a lot of no, guys that, that didn't even that, have their pro day. That is true. In the batch of guys who weren't invited to the Combine, he's got a pretty good chance because he did have his pro day. He performed well down at the uh, – the uh, shrine bowl, I think it was that he played in and obviously what he's got on film. But, uh, I, you know, I think he would have been a guy who might've benefited from the meetings and, and in-person visits, things like that. And I think the only thing that's really hurt CD lamb, to be honest with you, is the Baylor game last year and the questions surrounding that. And that wasn't even a performance thing. That was more of a, why aren't you playing? And I, you know, that thing, they showed that yeah, game I mean, the other night again, and it just reminded me of the weirdness of that night. That And yeah. it's still weird to this day, and it kind of goes into the secrecy of Lincoln Riley, but, you know, I, there were so many things swirling out there the week of the game, and then he comes out and he goes through, uh, you know, I remember being down there on the field, and it's like, okay. He's catching he's punts, right? Yeah, he's out here. He's going through his regular pregame, yeah, and that's everybody's not a, like, okay, that's, he's playing. That's not a concussion test that he was getting in the pregame. No. I've, I've never yeah. known a concussion test that you go out and you go through your pregame. Yeah, the absurdness with which Lincoln Riley has addressed that particular issue equals the absurdness of the quarterback battles over the last few years since he's been there. Well, and it's just one of those things. Now that he's in position and you've got Judy and Ruggs and, and all three of those guys vying to be the first pick of the draft, it's like you're looking you're looking for you know warts on a, a – you know, prom queen or whatever. I mean, it's like, could that hurt him? I don't know, but I know, um, you know, there have been people that have contacted me saying, you know, I have some scouts asking me, so I thought I'd call you and see if you'd heard this or that. Like, and to be honest, I just never got a good feel on it. Like, I chased it down. I looked at police reports. I looked at police activity logs, all kinds of stuff from that night that could have, you know, 
said something and just couldn't find anything like and that was the rumor like that he got into a fight after that Iowa State game uh you know out on campus corner or something and you know he had a a, a turnover late in that game that ended up almost costing him uh and it, you just wondered like it just was so weird and and there are legitimately you know people that are making those decisions of can you trust this guy is 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 there something that's being covered up about his his you know his per- which I don't you know we've all known CD we've all dealt with him it would shock me if you know he was a kind of a a problem um that is that is yeah, the I think- only, that is the only thing that has ever come up with CD Lane yeah. I I can say that and and I would say even you know just as far as getting to know him through the shortened media sessions that we had I would you know, go on record saying that I don't think that CeeDee Lamb's a problem for any professional team. And I don't think that you're saying that either, Kerry. I'm just clarifying. I, I don't yeah, think that no, we've ever heard of any, like, this guy's a asshole in the locker room. People don't like him. I don't think there's anything like that. Yeah, and with him, you know, we're talking about if these things are dissected, he could fall from, you know, number nine in the draft to number 20. He's still going to be a first-round draft pick and a, have a really good chance to thrive in the NFL. It's just when you're talking about three guys as good as these three guys, because I think in most years, one of these three guys would be a pretty clear number one wide receiver in, then you're just splitting hairs. I think it was Daniel Jeremiah that said that he has 17 wide receivers in his top 100 going into the draft on uh, Thursday. And I mean, it, it could be said that this is as deep of a class uh, that has ever been in the draft from a position standpoint. And, you know, with that said, I don't think that you see Lamb drop past 13. It seems like uh, it's 9, 11, 12, or 13. That yeah, it looks game. like there's that group of teams right in there that's going to pick wide receivers, and it's really clear who the top three in this sure. are going to be. Um, and it sounds like that this is the, the deepest wide receiver class or has the potential to be the best wide receiver class since uh, what year was it that uh, Jerry Rice came out in the early eighties, maybe 83, uh, something like that, that, uh, this, this could be the next coming of a class like that. Well, and, and, you know, talking about, you know, just this, this draft class in its entirety, I think, I don't know, haven't you all kind of been a little perplexed about, uh, Neville Gallimore and exactly, you see, he's all over the place on mock drafts. Like nobody really knows, uh, where to slot him or where he is, but, he kind of, to me, is like Parnell Motley in that he had a really good year with Alex Grinch, but you look at the tape before this year, and it's not always great, uh, and he was playing in a different scheme uh, You know, when Mike Stoops was the defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, it, And really, he got better because Alex Grinch played him fewer snaps, and I don't know if that's the thing that NFL teams look at and say, you know, we need a guy that, that's more durable, that can play a lot more. Uh, than he plays, but I don't know. I, I've just been, he ran a good time at the combine and I've just been a little confused about, you know, why he hasn't been talked about a little bit more. Yeah. He's the one that you're not going to be uh, surprised wherever he's picked next week. You know, if he's picked, you know, early in the second round or if he has to wait until, you know, the the fifth round or so, to go off the board. He's a guy that I have no clue what's going to happen with. And yeah, it's been, it's been weird not to hear much from him uh, over the last month or so. And I always forget Jalen hurts played at OU. <laughs> Me too. Oh, yeah. 
about that. <laughs> I mean, is it, what do you guys think? Like, just if he goes in the second round, is that just like you just kind of say to yourself, like, what does the NFL see? Yeah, I, I I don't understand that at all. Like, uh, why he seems to be rising in the draft boards? It just doesn't make any sense to me uh, personally. I, I don't I don't know what he's doing. I mean, I, I'm sure he's very impressive in the uh, in the private Interviews, meetings yeah. and all those sorts of things. But um, I just don't I don't see him as an NFL quarterback. And uh, I'll be I mean, if I'm wrong, I'll, I'll admit that I'm wrong. But that that would really surprise me. Yeah, although I, I will say this, I think maybe with the changed dynamic of how this season might start as far as training camps, things like that, maybe these teams that are just thinking for next year think that a guy like Jalen Hurts could get ready quicker uh, if they need him than uh, you know some of the other quarterbacks that we're going to see. And, I mean, he's, he's probably getting a little bit of a boost because of Baker and Kyler and, and that they've had – success in the NFL coming out of that system. They're not, people don't look at Oklahoma quarterback as like they did a Texas tech quarterback where they're a system guy, I think. So that probably helps him a little bit. It's just, you watch the tape and it's just, he's not, he's not Lamar Jackson. I'm sorry. He's just not, he's a, he's not even Kyler Murray when it comes to elusiveness and quickness and explosion. He is, he's a big, powerful quarterback. Uh, that runs the ball well and is not the most accurate passer in the world. And, uh, and there was always and that. often f- couldn't find Ceedee Lamb when he was wide open. And there was always that that thing out there, and we talked about it at the time when we were down in Atlanta. But uh, there was just and it kind of followed him to Norman this this national uh, infatuation with Jalen Hurts. Just as far as you know, there were so many people that even go back to the playoffs last year that labeled it as Jalen Hurts is carrying this Oklahoma team back into the playoffs when in reality, that couldn't have been further from the truth. They won despite him. Now, and it's been on a couple times this week, and I've found myself watching it. He was excellent in the second half of the uh, the Baylor game down in Waco uh, the first time around. Outside of that, though, you think about the Iowa State game. uh, You think about, uh, you know, there was multiple games down the the back end of the schedule. maybe even West Virginia a little bit, uh, that, oh, you won despite Jalen Hurts turning the ball over late. And specifically, the Iowa State game is one that comes to mind, uh, you know, probably the most uh, with with the way that he turned the ball over was three times in the last, uh, in the fourth quarter or or twice specifically. But um, I don't know. I just, I've never been, I've never been quite there with Jalen Hurts. I, I don't know what it is. And it's just like, you know, the, the whole, one of the more damaging things about Jalen Hurts year last year was, you guys remember we're sitting there in that little tiny closet in Kansas, and somebody asked him about OU Texas. Might have been Hoover, uh, and he's like, <laughs> I, think I, it was. I, "I I I played in big games. Like I played I played Auburn Alabama, and like then he went out and he just played like crap against Texas. Almost lost him the game. Yeah, that was the initial pat your head moment. I thought. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that was when it all started to uh, because after that first game, the Houston game, I was like, "Oh my god, this guy's unbelievable." And then it just sort of as the year went on, I 
I felt like there were more and more moments where you really started to question that. And he took so many carries away from Kennedy Brooks yeah. and Trey Sermon. I mean, he just did. I mean, that's just obvious. So, um, I mean, I, is, I, it, I, 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 is it hyperbole to say he's the reason that Trey Sermon's transferring? No, I, mean, I, I, think be, I think he's part of it. I think he's part of it. I think he's it. a big part of it. But, but I, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that, uh, you know, you're going to, I think that when people look back at Jalen Hurts, I, I don't, I don't know how to quite say this, but I guess I'm just thinking that is he going to be remembered as like a great Oklahoma quarterback? I almost feel like people are no. going to more remember and more fondly remember in 10 years, Trevor Knight than Jalen Hurts, because that Alabama game was such a big deal. And I almost mm-hmm. feel like that alone, I guess maybe the Baylor game, the, the comeback against Baylor yeah. was, was, yeah. was pretty big, but I, I just sort of feel like it, I mean, is after his pro day, is he ever going to come back to Norman for anything ever? <laughs> I think he no. he had an autograph thing scheduled. Yeah, well, I mean, he might come back to get some money, but I think he's going to be much more remembered for for what happened at Alabama than what happened at Oklahoma, and I think that's uh, inside each fan base uh, as well. That uh, you know, he's a, a different guy. He didn't have the, he didn't put in the time that Trevor Knight did. Didn't uh, have that bowl performance like Trevor Knight did. And uh, he only had the one year, so uh, not going to be – he's going to be a guy who's going to fade a little bit, I think. I always found it weird, like, when Trevor Knight would post on his Instagram when he was back at A&M because I was always like, did you really go to A&M, really? <laughs> like, it was like – and the fact – I don't know if that's a – and is that, like, you know, the, the A&M fans, like, oh, Trevor Knight. Like, does that just kind of show how shitty they are offensively? Oh yeah, I mean it's there's no doubt that they've been really bad offensively. I mean, Kellen Mond's terrible sort of too. Well, that too. So anyway, what are you guys are you, are you excited about the uh, Jordan thing at all coming up? Well, I am. I mean, I grew I'm, up in that era. I was a massive Bulls fan, watching games on WGN all the time. So I'm fired up about it. I'm I'm really really looking forward to seeing what uh, this thing's all about. I'm excited because for me, you know, the 1990 Chicago Bulls, I was never really a Bulls fan per se, but I mean, that that sort of defines in many ways my childhood as a sports fan was watching the Bulls, even if I wasn't a fan of them, you know, watching Jordan and Pippen and Rodman and, and those and Steve Kerr and those teams. So I'm really excited about it. I, I, I think it's I think it's awesome. I actually just watched Space Jam a couple weeks ago for the first time <laughs> in a long time. So I'm in I'm in a real Michael Jordan mood lately. But hey guys, out of all this, I, I have learned who who's on a train right now. No shit. Oh, that's by my house. I live uh What do you live like on Miller or something? <laughs> I you live in Moore, so it's south side of Moore. Why just, why uh, do you need why do you need to sound the whistle right now? No well, I guess if you're in Moore they're assembling, but like no one's out. Like everyone's quarantined. Are you really gonna hit anybody? Well, right. No. What What I was gonna say is, is that I, I have learned here on the last few days on Twitter. I don't know if you guys knew this. Did you know OU is a Jordan school? I didn't know that. Oh I, I was unaware. <laughs> I hadn't seen any such things, Jason. I'm just I would say that you gotta, every once in a while you gotta roll into the closet and check out and see what kind of uh, uh, shoe collection everybody has. You know. Yeah, Eddie, yours was spectacular. Thank you. I'm, I'm very excited for this. This is, I would say, you know, before Tiger came around, 
I would, I mean, and probably you'd say 1A, 1B with these guys. But for my my age, you know, Kersey's age, I, I would say Michael Jordan is is the top of the list. I mean, I don't know anybody that didn't have the Michael Jordan wingspan poster in their in their yeah. room growing up or live for the Saturday. It seemed like it was every Saturday night the Bulls played on WGN and you were able to see it. And, the, you know, the, the intro, every person knew. I'm, uh, I'm serious for it. Alan Parsons project. Yep. Michael Jordan and Ken Griffey Jr. to me were like the epitome of cool when I was when I was a kid. So See, and that's like pretty cool. Growing up in Southwest Oklahoma, you didn't give a shit about the NBA, but man, I loved watching. I loved watching that ascension of the Bulls as a kid. Um, you know, seeing them having to make their way through the you know the the Celtics were old then, uh, and you know Bird had all the back problems. And, you know, Jordan Parrish was about 50. Oh, my God. And then Jordan went out and put up, you know, huge numbers in that that first round playoff game or whatever it was. Um, And then to see him have to find a way to get through the Pistons. I mean, those were those those Pistons. It was such great theater. I mean, even as a young kid, beer involved. Yeah. Rodman, when he was on the other side, Rick Mahorn and all those guys, just the bad boys. I mean, and you hated Isaiah Thomas and. I, I didn't feel so bad about, you know, the microwave any, uh, but uh, you just, they were so hateable and it just, it helped build Jordan into kind of like this superhero uh, that was, you know, fighting evil and you yeah, rooted for that. Yeah. Cause you know, remember the talk of that early period in Jordan's career was, ah, he's never a guy who can win. You know, he might on his own. Yeah, he's just bring it, bring a team to the conference finals or the finals. But Michael Jordan's never going to win a championship. And then all of a sudden, you know, Phil Jackson gets there and, you know, everything changes once Doug Collins isn't their coach anymore. Not to mention, people don't realize that watch the NBA now, like what it was like when you had to play against either Detroit or the Knicks and just how like the Michael Jordan was the star and he had some role players and he had Scottie Pippen. But their center's job was just to be straight-up thugs against all the other thugs that were in the league. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mentioned Bill Lambeer's name earlier, and he's the one I, you know, Lambeer and Rick Mahorn are the two guys that you, I thought think of when I think of that era. And then Charles Oakley the is, is one of those. michael Jordan. Uh, and, yeah, Oakley. I still hate the Knicks uh, from, from that era. They were. Ter- I mean, it was awful. It was. It was just brutal basketball. But yeah. But the only disappointing thing I think about is that it's just about the last season. I was hoping it would kind of yeah. chronicle all the stuff we just talked about, kind of how the Bulls came to, you know, how they had to kind of take their lumps and and become the team that they became. So it's weird that it's going to be ten episodes just on a final season. Yeah, but I think that has a potential to be even more interesting because of the film access and, and things like yeah. that. And obviously the people, the more magnified look, I guess, at that season versus the entirety of the Jordan era. Yeah. And you know, that's a definitely a point that I, as much as I remember it, I don't think that I really grasp or remember uh, particular things. And that's why I'm going to be excited to see, uh, you know, I, I remember like watching the finals and stuff, I was like eight or nine years old, so I don't really remember uh, 
that kind of stuff. And there's going to be a lot of stuff that I think I will find out that is kind of new to me. And I'm, I'm, I'm especially interested to see just kind of the inner workings of the relationships that people had with Michael Jordan. Because um, I think when you get down to it, as, as fond as we remember Michael Jordan, there's a lot of people that just think he's an asshole. So I'm kind of excited to see that. Well, he and we've talked about this a lot because I, I do a morning show with a guy that was from Chicago that, uh, you know, he used to do traffic from a helicopter. And, like, every day they would fly over Michael Jordan's house just to see if they could, like, catch him outside. Um, but there has probably never been a, another athlete, never will be another athlete, where people turned the other way and ignored some of his behavior away from the basketball court. Oh, yeah. there's Nobody is polarizing in those multiple ways as, as Michael Jordan. And that's why this thing's going to be really fascinating to see the sort of magnified look at one very particular point of his career. And wasn't it, wasn't it not too long after space jam came out that he and his wife like broke up too. Cause I always remember like she's in that and you always see her and you're like, Oh, that's not his wife anymore. Is that his, was that his real wife? I thought that was just an actor. I think not, it was his, his real, real wife, wife and his real kids. I I I always assumed that it was uh, those were all actors. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that was really, really his family. Yeah, I think it was. Anyway, anything anything uh, binge worthy that you guys want to throw out there? That I don't. I, I'm sure some of you guys are Ozark guys. I I'm, I'm gonna assume that everyone here has watched Joe Exotic because I haven't. Yeah, you haven't. No. What is well, what is going on with you, Carrie? I just is there. Have I, you just been like spinning vinyl all day every day? Not that. You know what I am? I'm a big YouTube guy. I love going down YouTube rabbit holes. I <laughs> I'll watch like you know Speaking hot of ones. Series. No, no, no. Like I watch like hot ones, like those the interview show where they eat hot wings. Like if you've never seen Gordon Ramsay's episode of Hot Ones. You need to do that. Oh yeah, I'll this have week. to check that out. It's fantastic. He literally starts squirting a lime on his butthole uh, as he's <laughs> eating the hot wings because they get too hot. Um, but that's fantastic. And I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm a weirdo when it comes to that stuff. I just, my attention span is so short. I just, I, I just love watching stuff on YouTube. Be, be honest. You think Tiger King is derivative, don't you? <laughs> Yes, this is a aging hipster thing that I'm doing. Like I refuse to binge watch. It's so beneath me. No, yeah, I, no. I, I've, I, I've been doing sort of. I've been uh, two things. One, similar to what I think, uh, uh, Jason. I'll give you a plug this time. The Eric Horn back and forth about things to do during this time. Yes, thank uh, you for mentioning uh, shows. the unofficial forty. By the way. Of course, that was awesome. I, it's, it's, it's legit a podcast I listen to most weeks, mo- almost every week. But uh, plug there for you too, Carrie. But uh, I, I've been doing what Eric's doing and binge watching both Arrested Development and The Wire, which are both rewatches for me. And also, my wife and I started Game of Thrones, which we never watched. So really, that'll be an interesting ride. Yeah. See, I would say Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones. Well, in Lost, but now you can't go back and watch Lost now. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't feel like it would be all that relevant anymore. 
Um, but Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones, the the two shows that I feel the best about spending my time binge watching. And yeah, I'm I'm trying to catch back up on Better Call Saul because I've heard the last couple of it's, episodes have been fantastic. Yeah, it's been really good. And next week will be really interesting. I'll just say that. And that's going to be that's now gone on just as long as Breaking Bad has. Better Call yeah, Saul. Yeah, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, I watched I, the I watched I, the scene the other day where Hank met his end. Ooh, it was yeah, I forgot how good that episode was. Gosh, I I love The Wire. The Wire is my favorite uh, TV series of all time, but that's probably the best episode of all time. The the Breaking Bad one you're referring to. I quit on The Wire, by the way. Me too. When? Four seasons. I know you're you, Jason, but why why Carrie? I just I don't know. My my family bought me the DVDs for Christmas, and they I'd been talking about it, and I was really into it. And I just I don't know. It just it just other things took up my time, and I never went back to it. Go back to it. Um, I think you said four season. Yeah. So yeah, go back to it. You'll enjoy that. The fifth season is a lot of media. The the focus is on the media. Uh-huh. Uh, which which is interesting. I didn't didn't necessarily think that that was perfectly done, but I think that that happens a lot when your profession is sort of the one, you know, under the microscope a little bit. I think it was because they were so it was such a I was so wrapped up in the whole pager thing. And when they finally kind of figured that out, it I I never gave it a chance to reset and grip me again. Well, give, give it a chance to reset. I think you'll enjoy it. I know Jason's reason uh, for dropping it, but I keep trying to talk him into picking it back up and finishing, and he'll eventually appreciate Bodie, uh, the no, character. I no, I won't. <laughs> Wallace's Watch death. Wa- the Wallace, show. Let me talk. Wallace's death is the most like heartbreaking thing I've yeah. ever seen on a television show, and I never recovered from it. I never recovered from that scene, and it was great acting, and it's a you know great writing and all that. But I that that pardon my language. Sorry, you're gonna have to beep. That f-ed me up really bad. <laughs> yeah, no, it that death, and anybody who hasn't watched it, Michael B. Jordan's character, that death uh, probably affected me as much as anything in a, a TV series I've seen. So that was a, a heck of a moment. But Jason, I'm telling you, pick it up, watch it, just finish it and see what you think. I will tell you this, uh, the worst death in TV history for me that literally made me quit watching a show was Glenn and the walking dead. That's another show. I confess. I've never seen an episode of it's good for about Dang. six seasons. I, I need to, to check that out, and I think it's on Netflix, so maybe that's uh, something I binge next. Yeah, you might give it a shot. For me, as big a, big a, a binge snob as I am, Kersey, I, I, I greenlight Walking Dead. <laughs> I'm just giving you and, shit. Oh, man. another thing. I no, did it's okay. I'm a pretentious watching... ass. I, I, I agree with that. <laughs> I did start watching the first few episodes of Shit's Creek the other day. Yeah, I know a lot of people that like that. It's great. It's it's great. We we just finished it about a week ago. 
Or the the episodes are really short, right? Like I could I could breeze through I mean, them. Yeah, that... it's a little yeah. you know twenty thirty minute sitcom. Yeah. Okay. I might I might do that this week. Really clever. Really funny. I'll be honest. I need something. I know Kersey was a big Veep. I I need this. I've I've been through a couple seasons of Veep. That's definitely worth my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Veep is great. I've I've just never found anything recently that I've liked as much as Silicon Valley. I haven't watched that either. Oh God, that's so good. I got super into like the first I don't know three four seasons, and then I don't know. It was just something that I just stopped watching. Yeah, it has its ebbs and flows. I'll have to check that out. So anyway, well, guys, uh, I appreciate uh, you uh, jumping on and doing this, and um, anytime you you know need the favor repaid, I'm always around. So. Well, Carrie, you're days. the you're the only Sooner Scoop person who hasn't been on my podcast. You realize that? It's a corporate decision. I I well, I've oh, never asked, so don't <laughs> pretend like it's your decision. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Dick, thanks. Hey, you know what? I would have asked if you'd been in Atlanta for the Peach Bowl. You would have absolutely been on it then. Hmm. Maybe I would have. I'm been just busy. Some- Fun podcast in the room that I got that was like, you know, a floor and a half large. Yeah, yeah that was set up out there. What's that? I said you had the king set up out there for the first it, couple of days. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't bad for the first. I think it was five days out of the seven I was there. I was I was living pretty right. Yeah, I, I missed you guys at the Peach Bowl, but now that was uh that was definitely a band decision on that one. So, but you know, we got new stuff We're popping out there. So, trying some new things forced me to miss. Nothing wrong with that. So, I did enjoy not being there the way the game turned out. Yeah, the game is certainly because you not know how the, the I thing. like. I have that thing where like. We spent this much money for this shit. <laughs> I I uh, I probably shouldn't be admitting this, but the truth is, I didn't watch the I didn't watch a play of the second half until Spencer <laughs> Rat- until Spencer Rattler came into the game. I don't think well, I watched. It. I don't know that I quite go that far, but you know, I think that's one thing. Maybe people that aren't in our positions, and mine's a little bit unique, even among us, that you know, a lot of times we can't watch every single play. Because, in my case, my story has to be up in some version as soon as the game's over. Mm-hmm. So I've got to have, you know, at least a few hundred words ready to go. So, uh, yeah, I didn't watch much of that second half at all. And the other thing is, people love reading about winners. Whenever you loses, people don't read as much no. because, uh, you know, they don't want to relive that. Oh, hell, and we, I have buddies that, you know, and I'm sure that you guys have friends like this as well, that, oh, you lose this game. They're not listening to the radio. They're not getting on the board. They're not listen, They're not reading about it for at least a week until they get back out there. Yeah. Uh, after the uh, 2000, uh, what was it, 2005 uh, OU-USC game, 2004-2005 uh, OU-USC game, my uncle, <laughs> like, dr- dramatically took every OU shirt that he owns – Shirt, hat, everything into the backyard and burned it. Wow! So, <laughs> wow! One of those guys. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Of course. Then he had to go buy more stuff for the next season. But. Of course. Yeah. Hopefully he went to the Sooner Scoop shop and 
bottle. Um, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so we we promote burning your stuff after bad games. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, no, but I, yeah, I mean, I think in that game, Bob literally asked me like, "Do we need anything?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, you're still writing a story." <laughs> Yeah, you still got to write, but you know the impact of it. But no, I, I, I no, I, you know, I felt like I, I almost had to be like, yeah, I got to make him work. I paid all this money to go, <laughs> but I knew deep down, like, yeah, it doesn't matter if you write anything or not. Nobody's reading it because that was the truth. I mean, not yeah. nobody, but you know, very yeah, few the, people are going to get read reduced it. unless it's some like cataclysmic event, like you know the the Mike Stoops fallout, even though that wasn't at a loss that, you know, people actually want to read about stuff that they're disappointed in is pretty rare. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's, uh, that's one thing that this, uh, you know, pandemic has done. It's taken the focus off the way last season ended. Oh, oh yeah. I, I think that people would, would kill for the opportunity to be able to bitch about, uh, you know, a college football playoff, out, losing blowout. somebody in coverage or something. That's who I wonder, like, like what players, who, what, who's the one player who's going to come back fat after all this is over? Honestly, I don't think, it, I mean, there might be somebody that hasn't been taking care of themselves, but I think that, you know, in a way that. It'd have to be like an offensive guys. lineman, though, or a defensive lineman. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Like, it'd be awesome if it was like fat Jaden Davis, but that's not happening. No, those guys are going to stay, stay active enough. But yeah. The, the guys the linemen who have very specific nutritional needs and, you know, the, the way that they work out, I think that that's got a potential to uh, break in the wrong way. Quincy Russell. <clears throat> <laughs> My God, has any effort The defensive ever... savior, Quincy Russell? Has, has, I mean, like, we literally chased him down in some strip mall gym to get an interview with him. <laughs> because he would not pick up the phone. And, like, we shot video of him, like, doing, like, remember that, Eddie? Like, Josh had video of him doing, like, uh, yeah, like box jumps in yes. the uh, gym. In Houston, and everybody's like, it? oh my God, he's going to be so awesome. <laughs> Look at the footwork on this guy. <laughs> <laughs> that was literally like what it was. Yeah. Well, and then he was late getting to yeah, camp, yeah. so we wrote about him every second of every day that first week of camp, and then he gets here and thud. I would say, like, the the most, the one thing, if you say what was the biggest camp uh, storyline ever, I mean, like, there have been some. Like, that was one. Ron L. Lewis trying to get eligible was one. But the the craziest one to me and I don't know if it'll ever be topped, is whether or not Mike Balligan lost a year of eligibility because he played minor <laughs> league football. Like, it's, it's some podunk league in, like, Maryland or something. What year was that? I, I don't... I think I was either in school or... I'm, I know I wasn't around. That was 2008. That was when you were in school, okay. yeah. Yeah, I was, a, I was a sophomore or a junior. Yeah, that was far before my time on the beat but uh i've heard quite a few stories about that that year i think i think i think trotter had actually caught up with the guy that kept all the stats for the league 
and and like there was this whole like oh well he just suited out for a game and he didn't really play and once Trotter got a hold of the guy that kept stats he was like oh yeah he was like the best player in the league he he was he he destroyed everyone <laughs> and he was awesome he played every play in every game like but somebody had made a concerted effort to like erase all of his stats that they that they had online and stuff it was awesome i can't imagine following that stuff and especially nowadays because that stuff would i mean you basically know you that would be out there it'd already be proven i don't know in these minor league football leagues yeah you you underestimate how uh i don't know rinky dink they are yeah not the word i'm looking for yeah how how small some of these operations are and you know there's some things that you still can't find on youtube for sure yeah all right. Well, I tried to end it. I'll end it now. Uh, thanks, guys, for uh, joining us. Appreciate it, and uh, hope you guys are doing well and staying safe. And I am. Uh, I'll, I look forward to the day when we all uh, can hang out again. Yeah. Yeah. Terry, thanks. It's... Thanks for having us. I really appreciate it. that. Was fun. Yeah. You yeah, guys thanks, are Gary. welcome to do this anytime. Because, like I said, what the hell else do we have to do? This is true. All right, well, thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, we'll see you back regular time later on this week with the unofficial 40, but certainly appreciate the Oklahomans, Ryan Aber, the Athletics, Jason Kersey, Eddie Radosevich uh, as well. Uh, I'm Kerry Murdoch, and we see you guys back here next time on the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com.